fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hi there and welcome back to the show. Here's what we got coming up for you this week. Fear, uncertainty and doubt was the way to sell those products, right? A new way that we could maybe be selling cybersecurity. That's Philip Morgan from Pax8. He's going to be here later on in the show. We're also going to be talking about cash flow. If your cash flow isn't quite as positive as you'd like it to be. Maybe it's because you haven't fully embraced the MSP business model. I believe your business model should make your cash flow so beautiful that you're literally licking the screen of your computer when you're looking at your bank account. If you're not, I'll tell you later on in the show how you can make your cash flow so much better. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. In the old days of business, I'm kind of talking in the last century, doesn't that make you feel old? In the last century, business was a bit different. It was a case then that big beat small. It was all about being a big business because that was how you beat your competitors. And there's so many examples of this in books and things that were written back in the 80s, the 90s and the turn of the century. Big beats small. And these days, of course, that's completely changed. Being a big business is no longer a massive advantage. I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, it has advantages. You have more resources for a start. But these days, it's fast beats slow. So many examples around us of fast businesses beating slower businesses. I mean, just take Tesla, for example. I appreciate these days Tesla is a, a big business, but it's not the size of the business or even its market capitalization that makes Tesla a formidable competitor. It's just faster than its competitors. If you compared Tesla to Ford, General Motors, all of the other car companies, Tesla moves faster. It changes its cars faster. It can upgrade its cars over the air. It can make software changes. It's literally simply faster, 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 faster than all of its competitors. Its quality is actually a little bit lower than its competitors, but because it's so fast and it's built up such huge momentum and it's exciting and sexy, that's what makes Tesla the most feared car company. I, I certainly wouldn't want to be running Ford right now, would you? You know, they're trying desperately to catch up with Tesla. Uh, well, all of them are in terms of electric vehicles. And it's good that there's someone driving electric vehicles in this way. It's what the planet needs. But do you know what? I wouldn't want to be running one of those old heritage car companies because they're slow compared to Tesla. Tesla, of course, is coming at it as a tech company. Tech companies like Facebook, Google, Amazon, they're fast. It's all about the speed. And I believe within your MSP, you need to have that speed as well. I've recently been a client of two architects. I'm having some work done on my house. Well, I'd like to get some work done on my house, but first of all, I need to get planning permission. Here in the UK, before you can make substantial changes to your house, you have to get planning permission. And I live in what's known as a conservation area, which basically means there are all sorts of limits. We're right next to Greenbelt. It's a lot, lots of planning restrictions is, is basically what it means. So we need an architect to do some plans. I hired an architect near the beginning of this year. And we agreed the plans and what we were going to do. And he went off to draw them and he came back fairly quick with his drawings. He was actually drawing them by hand, which is a bit bizarre because it's 2021. Uh, but then he, we agreed some changes and that was back in May. 
and I haven't heard from him since. And I've texted him and I've phoned him and, you know, I've sent him emails. I know he's alive because my next door neighbor is a builder who sees him now and again, but I just haven't had my plans back. So I actually hired a second architect just a few weeks ago and he had the plans done within within a few weeks. It was just literally a couple of weeks. He was using computers and CAD, uh, which was one of the things that's made him fast. But he's just as experienced. He's done exactly the same plans. It's just he's got it done faster. And our planning application went in a couple of weeks ago. Speed beats everything. This second architect is actually more expensive than the first architect. So yet again there, I've learned a lesson for about the 500th time about quality and cost being linked. If you pay less for something, you can expect the quality to be a little bit less. And, you know, I'm sure the first architect is equally as good as the as the second architect. And, you know, what they're doing is that they're not designing something that's going to win awards here. It's just a basic extension and a remodeling of the house. But the point is, I want to get it done. Come on, crack on, let's get it done. And so the second architect won my business. And in fact, now, of course, I'll end up paying him a few thousand pounds more to go and do all the plans that the builders need and whatever else he has to do. And he's got that work because he was fast. Speed, speed, speed. Being fast beats being slow. So a question, look at your MSP. Where are you slow? Where do you need to speed up? Where do you need to be faster? Is it frustrating your clients when they have to ring you because the phone just seems to go on and on, ring, 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 and no one ever picks it up? If they submit a ticket, does it take hours for someone to acknowledge it? Are they chasing you up all the time because they perceive that you're slow? If someone inquires tomorrow and they want to become a client, how quickly do you get back to them? It should be that whenever someone rings up, because it's not like this happens all the time, Whenever someone emails you or rings up, there is someone available to talk to them immediately because this stuff is really important. Where are you slow within your MSP? How can you speed it up? How can you create a system to make things faster within the business? This is the goal because fast always, always beats slow. Here's this week's clever idea. No MSP should ever have to lie awake at four o'clock in the morning worrying about cash flow. And you know what? I've been there. Obviously, I'm not an MSP owner and I haven't done it with this business, but my previous business, I had many, many sleepless nights because we didn't have a great business model. In fact, there was one Christmas, oh, I must be getting on for 10 years ago now, where I was actually sat in my hotel room while my team were out enjoying what was supposed to be our Christmas party. And I realized I was £10,000 short of payroll. That was my worst ever Christmas party. You know, actually having to sort of ring home and say, I've got to take all, every penny that we've got and I've got to take some more cash advances on a credit card just to pay the staff tomorrow. That puts a bit of a dampener on your Christmas party, I imagine. But no MSP should ever have to be in that situation, ever, because the MSP business model promotes a very positive cash flow. You know, if you look at what the secret is of a great cash flow, it's to collect money that's owed to you as fast as possible and to slow down what you have to pay out without jeopardizing your relationship with suppliers. And actually, as an MSP, if you fully embrace the MSP model, this should be really easy for you for three core reasons. And the first and most important of those reasons 
is our favorite, monthly recurring revenue. I love monthly recurring revenue. My entire business is built on it. Do you know, I hope that your entire business is built on it. There is nothing better. Monthly recurring revenue is your lifeblood. You should be protecting it and growing it above all else. The only reason you take on a new client is to get monthly recurring revenue. The only reason you do a project is because it helps that client to move forward to retain that client so they can keep paying you monthly recurring revenue or because it generates even more monthly recurring revenue. Monthly recurring revenue is everything. And this is the core thing that makes the MSP business model so, so beautiful. But it's not just that. The second thing that makes it beautiful is that you should be paid up front. So all of that monthly recurring revenue, you should be collecting that at the beginning of the month before you do the work. And if that's not the case right now, change it. Just tell your client it's changing. Do the change from January or something. Say to them, hey, we're changing this in blah, 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 January, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what the details are, but basically you're paying up front. You're not a bank, are you? So why are you allowing people to pay in retrospect for work that you've done? They shouldn't pay at the end of the month. They should pay at the beginning of the month. Monthly recurring revenue at the beginning of the month, no problems. And of course, if they don't then pay, if they skip a payment or there's a payment issue and they don't communicate with you, then you don't do any work for them. You don't solve their problems. You switch off their 365. I know that's a controversial thing to say, but again, you're not a bank. If someone doesn't pay, you must taketh away. That's really how I feel about that. Now, don't get me wrong. If someone's in trouble and they can't pay for whatever reason and they communicate with you, well, that's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? That's someone who's having an issue. You can bond with them there. You can help them. You can help them get through a tight spot. That's the right thing to do. But there's a big difference between someone who tells you they're having problems and someone that just doesn't pay and you can't get hold of them on the phone. If they don't pay, you should take it away. Oh, and you should also, just while we're talking about getting paid up front, you should also get paid up front for any projects or any hardware you buy for them. You're not a bank. I'll say this again. You're not a bank. You should not be funding their acquisitions. If they want a project, if they want hardware, then you should be paid up front. So monthly recurring revenue is beautiful. Getting paid up front is beautiful. The third and final great thing about the MSP business model is insane retention. I've never known, never known a world where clients stay with you so long. And I realize that part of that is because they love you. They've bonded with you. Another part of it is that, uh, what do we call it? Inertia loyalty, where it's, it's just perceptually too difficult to move somewhere else. But it doesn't matter why they stay with you or not. That insane retention attention is that final thing that makes the MSP business model so, so beautiful. So listen, if you're still stuck doing a whole load of break fix, non-contracted revenue, or even you're just doing stuff for people now and again, you've got to get away from it. It's not how you have a great cash flow. That great cash flow comes from fully, fully embracing the three major benefits of the MSP business model. Paul's blatant plug. Question. Has another MSP in your area beaten you to the MSP marketing edge? Because it is the world's leading marketing program for MSPs. You get so much stuff that you can use to market your MSP. The stuff you get monthly, the stuff you get weekly, there's some insane tools and it's only available to one MSP per area. We've made it really easy for you to get started, but only if someone else hasn't beaten you to it. So the first thing to do is to go and check. Now, if you're in the UK or the US, you can go to mspmarketingedge.com 
put in your postcode or your zip code and it'll tell you directly if your area is available. If you're anywhere else in the world, you just got to drop us an email and we'll let you know because we're in something like 20 countries now. We're in lots of different countries. It's just we haven't made it as easy for you to check your postcode or your zip code to see whether or not your area is available. So just drop us an email. Hello at mspmarketingedge.com. But do not miss out on this because once a competitor has locked your area, it could be years before you get the chance to try out the MSP Marketing Edge. The Big Interview. Hi, I'm Phil Morgan from Pax8, and I'm here to help MSPs understand a new way that we could maybe be selling cybersecurity. And I'm delighted to get you onto the podcast. Finally, you've been on my radar for a couple of years, Philip, a, a different company at a previous company before, and now you're at Pax8. And it's really good to finally get you here onto the podcast because a lot of people tell me you have a lot of very, very sensible and interesting things to say. And talking about cybersecurity today, you, from the conversations you have with MSPs, and I see this as well, you believe that we as a, as a sector, as a world, have a very negative approach to selling cybersecurity. Dead right. And first of all, Paul, thanks for the opportunity to be on the podcast. Uh, Likewise, I'm an avid listener. I love the content that you uh, put out there. Yeah. So the approach at the moment is much like uh, insurance and financial services were sold back in the early 90s. Fear, uncertainty and doubt was the way to sell those products, right? Uh, What would happen is an independent financial advisor or maybe a bank, Paul, would speak to you and say, hey, you know, what happened if you died of cancer or those kind of terminologies of using fear, uncertainty and doubt in order to move you to a posture that you would be purchasing the product or the service that they would be selling. These days, though, uh, we've noticed how the marketing has matured from those markets to now the conversation has changed. So now, Paul, they would ask a question more like, hey, when you retire in 10, 15 years time, what kind of things would you like to be doing? And so approaching it from an aspirational perspective, they then move to protect that future for you, which inevitably leads to a conversation about life insurance. And in the same way, I feel that 90%, that was definitely what it was like when I was at a Continuum in my previous role. And today at Pax8, I'm still finding people using dark web monitoring scans, and you've been pooned as a key way to convince uh, small business owners that they should be investing in cybersecurity. And that puts the fear of God into them, right? So what I think people should be doing is using a different approach like financial services. You asked me a question there of why or do I do I see this and and yes I do I do see it. Let me let me flip that question back at you because by this point in the podcast I'm a bit tired and I need the guests to do all the work. Why do you think most MSPs still rely on that fear-driven marketing? In the DNA of the typical MSP and I'm putting myself there, right? I'm an, a former MSP owner myself. A lot of us are looking for the leadership from channel or from vendors in how to sell these products and services. So they will come up with all the suggestions that they would in order to encourage us to sell the services. So I think the challenge is most MSPs out there are using the methods that they've been using because they know no better. And you know, part of a, a cohesive approach, I think, to small business is basically asking 
customers where their business is going to be aspirationally, you know, post-pandemic, how are companies bouncing back and have those conversations and then develop a security conversation out of that vision that the business owner has for their organization or company. So essentially, you're saying to use security as the almost like a part of their growth plan, as you because we all know in a good strategic review or quarterly business review, whatever you prefer to call it, that talking about the future and putting together a technology roadmap and being there as an integral partner as they move forward is the right thing to do. And you believe that actually cybersecurity should just be a part of that. Uh, absolutely, and I more importantly, um, Paul, I believe you should lead on that. Peter Drucker, um, who is probably uh, one of the most famous business writers ever, said there's only four ways to grow your business. You can either do more, you can either do better, you can do faster, or you can do different. Okay, so those are four strategies that you can use to grow your business. So either way, whichever one of those four you want to use, so you might want to do more and, you know, that business owner might want to open another restaurant or another bar or, you know, expand. They might want to do better. They want a higher kind of CSAT score or, you know, um, get more advocacy from their customers. They might want to go faster using technology and automation, uh, or they might just want to do different and take their business in a different strategy that will require different technologies for them to achieve their goal. Either way, whichever one an SMB customer selects, you have to start with security as part of the implication of having a conversation with a customer. Have you considered the security risks or the breach risk of you doing that? So it was the aspiration rather than fear, uncertainty and doubt to open up the conversation is what I'm advocating. But what do you do when the people you're talking to, these ordinary business owners and managers, what do you do when they don't see the value in cybersecurity, when they don't understand that ransomware is terrifying? Well, fundamentally, I think, you know, even if someone's going to build a house tomorrow, a house that's not built on firm foundations is worthless. So in the same way, I think a business that has not protected itself, first of all, before it seeks to expand into new markets or change a strategy, is one that's already building their strategy on a shaky foundation. So I think it's a conversation that we need to take time to help them understand um, that it's not just big companies like, you know, Vodafone and 3 and the big brands out there that are hacking targets today. On the contrary, we know is that they have um, strengthened and hardened their cybersecurity posture, the targets are coming lower and lower and lower down the food chain. So the risk of a small business of, you know, three to five employees being hacked today is actually far higher than a big brand like a bank or an airline. Yes. And I guess if you keep mentioning this again and again and again and again at every strategic review, eventually the business owner is going to realize this this is something I've got to take seriously. Absolutely. So while we're on the subject then of strategic reviews, obviously you talk to loads of MSPs about all sorts of different subjects. What are some of the other things that are really hot right now within strategic reviews that you should be bringing up with your clients? Like you, um, Paul, I'm a huge advocate for a QBR, particularly the key QBR. And we talk a lot about this at our PAX 8 mission briefings of how to stack your QBRs up for the year. The key piece is getting the budget from the customer, right? 
And a lot of people, particularly MSPs, find it difficult to get at that budget, but they will have a budget. They might not know it in their own head. And I always say, sit down with a, a customer uh, of yours and ask them, how much did they spend on their IT last year? Because they will have a number that they can get at in their accounts that they will have spent. Use that budget to now form your QBRs going forward for the year. So a key way for MSPs to open up the cybersecurity conversation more and to do it instead of using fear, uncertainty and doubt, but to use aspiration, is to ask them what automation tools are they using in their business today? What AI tools are they using? And a lot of people will kind of respond with a, well, we don't use anything at all. And, you know, a lot of small business owners in particular, Paul, they feel that AI tools are things that are all about, you know, IBM Watson and big enterprise using it to mine data, et cetera. But every single day, we are using AI tools, right? There are listeners to this podcast right now that have been grabbed by AI today. Maybe, unfortunately, an automatic number plate recognition system that's going to send them a fine from a smart motorway, all right? All of that is automated today. Equally, your parking at a Holiday Inn or a Hilton Hotel, the ANPR systems there, everything's running on AI. So use that conversation to open up a conversation of how can we use AI? Well, a great place to start is scheduling. All of us spend countless hours if we don't use an AI tool like FindTime or Calendly to actually put meetings in one another's diary. In fact, Paul, you and I did this podcast interview. We scheduled it all using an AI tool, right? Yes, it was. Um, And that can save everybody's time. So are we as MSPs advocating that they use these services that we can add value to them for free and just suggesting to them, well, this is how I do it. You could do it too. Put a fine time link at the bottom of your signature and deliver some values to value to them. But at the same time, when you're setting that up for them or they are setting it up, the key piece is they have to give access to the Office 365 tenant or their uh, G Suite um, access to it. They have to tick yes to allow that API to work. And it's from there that we're able to open up the conversation about API calls and the importance of making sure that we've got multi-factor authentication in place on our Office 365 tenant and that is hardened because just like I can set it up here for you right now, other cybersecurity and ethical actors could do the same. Thank you, Philip. That's incredibly useful. So tell us a little bit more about Pax8. How can we get in touch? So get in touch uh, with me and Pax8 is really easy. Um, just Google Philip Morgan. I'm blessed to have an unique Welsh spelling of my name, which is P-H-Y-L-I-P. And uh, I'll come up on the top there for either my website or LinkedIn. And then as far as Pax8 are concerned, people can email me at pmorgan at pax8.com. And we're a global company, Paul. So although I'm responsible for channel here in the UK and in international, there's a whole army of wingmen We'd be delighted to speak to anyone that has an interest in Pax8. We're here to fix a lot of the problems that are in the distribution channel over the way that cloud is sold. And so we're here to help MSPs put more cash back in their pocket and more time back in their diary with all the automation and tools, support and enablement that we have to offer. 
Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, I'm Adrian Savage. I'm a deliverability expert from deliverability-dashboard.com. The book I'm recommending today is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. It's a good few years since I read this book, but the principles have stuck with me because... It's not about just focusing on one thing and improving it. What it's looking at is how if you make small improvements to many different parts of your business, then the compound effect is going to bring everything up and significantly revolutionize your performance. It's a great principle to get behind. And even though it's a while since I've read it, the principles stick with me because it really helps me make sure that everything I'm doing is just looking at even if it's a minor improvement all the time, it's those minor improvements, those minor increases in performance that make the big difference to the business. Coming up next week. Hi, this is Steven Rosenthal with Managed Services Platform, and I will be on next week to talk to you about how you as an MSP need to implement technology roadmaps for your clients. We're also going to be talking about problems. When you've got a problem within the business or your client has a problem, is it a real problem? or is it a perceived one? We're going to look next week at how you can figure that out, what we mean, what the difference is between real problems and perceived problems, and how to easily fix perceived problems. We're also going to be talking about controlling the chaos within your MSP. All businesses have chaos to a certain extent. It might be dramatic, horrendous chaos, or it might be just a little area that isn't quite as well organized as the rest of the business. Next week, we'll look at how you identify the chaos and how you control it. I'm really looking forward to speaking to you again next week. Have a great one. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.